Tamara's joining us now. Mr. Mayor, you do have your full committee online, and we have All started right. video streaming. I am, uh, I am present. Do, our, do we need a 30-second? Uh, We've started our live stream already. Okay, very good. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. The City of Sacramento's Budget and Audit Committee will please come to order with the clerk call the roll. Let's establish a quorum, please. Councilmember Guetta? Aye. Councilmember Jennings? Aye. Councilmember Vang? Here. Member Steinberg. I am here. Um, welcome to everybody. Do we need to do the pledge and the, uh, the land acknowledgement for all the committee meetings as well? That's correct. Okay. Uh, let me uh, uh, ask Council Member Geta. Would you, uh, I know you got the baby, so maybe not. Or Council Member Bang, why don't you why don't you do this one today, please? Uh, the land acknowledgement, and I'll do the Pledge of Allegiance. Okay. Thank you. All right. Please rise for the opening acknowledgement in honor of Sacramento's indigenous peoples and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwin Wintu peoples and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous peoples, history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. I pledge allegiance to the flag. Of, of the United States, States of, America, of America and to the Republic, Republic for which it stands, one nation, one nation under God, God indivisible, indivisible liberty, with liberty and justice for all. Very good. Thank you. Good afternoon uh, to everyone and the members of the public. We have several items today, and I know that item number two is going to be moved uh, to the discussion calendar as the first discussion item. So that leaves items one three and four is consent items. Are there any questions from the members on uh, any of the consent items? I'll move consent, Mr. Mayor. Thank I'll you. I'll second it, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Uh, is there public testimony? I show no hands raised to make public testimony on the consent calendar. Okay, uh, then let us call the roll, please. Council Member Guetta? Aye. Council Member Jennings? Aye. Councilmember Vang? Yes. And Mayor Steinberg? Yes. Very good. The consent calendar passes. Let's now move to item two, which is going to be taken up as a discussion item. All right. Um, okay. Hello. Uh, let's see. Okay. Can you, can you see my screen? Yes. Okay, perfect. So good afternoon. My name is Osvaldo Lopez. I am the finance manager in the accounting division. And today I'm pleased to share with you the year-end results for the fiscal year 2021 and the annual comprehensive financial report, also known as the ACFR. The ACFR presents the city's financial conditions and the results of the activities for the fiscal year that ended June 30, 2021. 
As required by the Governmental Accounting Standard Board, or GASBI, the city implemented three new accounting and financial reporting standards this year. You can see additional information related to this accounting standard on page two of the staff report. The independent audit firm, Macias, Gini, and O'Connell have audited financial statements as required by the city charter. I'm pleased to report that we had a clean audit and received an unmodified opinion. In fiscal year 2021, general fund tax revenue exceeded budget by 23.5 million as reflected on page three of the staff report. Additionally, department operation resulted in 11.6 million in savings. This is re reflected on page three and page four of the staff report. Page four just show the breakdown by department. These additional revenues and savings were offset by other citywide expenditures of 4.9 million. So at the conclusion of the year-end process, 30 million in one-time resources were added to the available fund balance. It is important to note that for ACFR purposes, general fund and major U are two different funds. So in addition to the 30 million um, available fund balance for general fund, there is an additional 15.7 million in available fund balance related to major U as of June 30, 2021. The mid-year budget report will go into additional details and recommendations for the use of these resources. I'm also pleased to report that thanks to adopted council policies, we continue to make progress on setting aside resources to address our liabilities. For example, the balance in the city's other post-employment benefit trust as of June 30, 2021 was 74.8 million, which is equivalent to 25% of the estimated total other post-employment benefit liability. The balance in the general fund economic uncertainty reserve at year end increased from 55.2 million to 58.5 million during fiscal year 2021. Finally, I would like to take a moment to recognize the fiscal staff of all our departments for the good work in closing the books for the year ended June 30, 2021, and helping the city to get another clean audit opinion. In a special, I want to say thank you to my staff in the accounting division for their hard work and long hours to finish the ACFR on time. With that, I'm available to answer questions and would like to ask the committee to pass a motion forwarding this report to City Council. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Lopez. Um, really good work. And this is really just sort of a, a, a preview, if you will, of the discussion we're going to have next week uh, in the budget and audit committee around how to um, how to spend or save, uh, which is about 49, almost $50 million worth of one-time mid-year resources. And I know that the city manager is putting forward uh, a, a proposal. I'm going to do what uh, the mayor does, which is uh, build on that proposal, all that'll be out probably uh, later in the week. <clears throat> and so this gives us a good sense though that despite COVID uh, and because of good fiscal stewardship from the city council and the city manager and, the, and our finance department that we still have resources uh, even if the out years you know, become, become iffy. So this is mostly good news and uh, we appreciate it. Are there 
Any members of the public that want, want to testify? I have no hands raised to make public comment on this item. Okay, colleagues, take a motion. Well, it's not moved Mr. that $50 I, million goes away. Mr. Mayor, I will move uh, the- I'll, uh, I'll second, Mayor. The staff report. <laughs> we, we talking about $45.9 million? Uh, it's actually more, but I will have to do the accounting. Uh, okay. a, a little bit of uh, reconciliation um, next week, but it's, it's, it's all in the ballpark, so good. Okay, there has been a motion and second, so the money's been saved. Um, very good. Uh, please call the roll. Thank you. Councilmember Guetta? Aye. Councilmember Jennings? Yes. Councilmember Vang? Yes. And Mayor Steinberg? Yes. All right, that passes. Uh, for nothing. Thank you. Now let's move to the remainder of the discussion calendar. Uh, item five, this is the Truth, Reform, and Reconciliation Multi-Year Operating Project. As you recall, we heard this in front of the full city council and there were some questions from members on both the scope of the work, the amount of money and the relationship between this project and some of the other racial equity projects that are being undertaken in the city. And council member Geta made a good suggestion that we bring this item to the budget and audit committee for review uh, discussion and potential direction. And that's where we are at. So who's gonna kick us off? We have Dr. Watson here, I see. Uh, why don't you go ahead, Dr. Watson? Good afternoon, Mayor Steinberg and Budget and Audit Committee. Um, the Mayor, Dr. Watson, um, Director of the Office of Public Safety Accountability. The Mayor kind of stole my thunder and he gave us a, a, a overview of uh, this particular project and why we're here. Uh, before you today. I also have Dr. Susan Glisson, who is here as well, uh, to speak in case you have specific questions as far as what rec reconciliation services from their firm actually does. But as Mary said, Tuesday, November the 16th, we came before council to obtain direction. Um, during that meeting, uh, several different council members had questions and also concerns um, regarding the specific reconciliation costs that we weren't aware of when this direction was initially provided to me as the director of OPSA. Um, a lot of the concerns uh, came around what actually this firm actually does and where they've done it, which we covered, um, that reconciliation services between police departments and their communities have been here uh, close uh, in Stockton, California. They've done reconciliation services in the state of Georgia, the state of Alabama, the state of Mississippi, who have had deep-rooted um, racial um, issues uh, within their uh, communities. As we bring it here, um, just as a reminder, our reconciliation between police and communities, it works to foster healthy relationships by addressing current and historical tensions, grievances, and misconceptions that contribute to mutual distrust as well as misunderstandings between the community and how they are being policed. There are, the services present authentic opportunities in order to connect the police and communities on the most simplest levels to make sure that it's understood that the police and the community must work together as one. It can't expose misconceptions and it works to build trust. 
it includes all police representatives on every level, not just your executive um, administration, but also your line level officers who actually directly deal with community members on a daily basis. One of the main things that reconciliation services provides for a police department in this community is a pathway for future collaboration and reciprocal input from the community, how they will be policing these communities moving forward. And one of the things that I have that I need to share is just a timeline that will provide an indication of how we got to where we are in front of you today. And let me see if we can pull this up. Mayor, are you seeing this uh, timeline that's on the screen? Uh, yes, I am. Thank okay. you. So this timeline is just an overview providing that this first thought and discussion with council pertain to the January 19th meeting for 2021. And let me see if we can make this bigger. There we go. So January 19th of 2021 is when there was a public outcry and we had numerous community members um, addressing some concerns uh, that they had and they were outraged with some of the operations and the conduct of the Sacramento Police Department. On the 21st, our city manager directed the finance director to transfer project funds to the Office of Public Safety Accountability account, which was 100,000. February the 9th, is when we had another meeting to actually provide what this project and the scope would focus on. It would be two phases. One phase would be regarding the operations that take place as far as planning and implementing protest operations within the Sacramento Police Department and comparing that to national best practices. And then the second phase, which is what we're talking about today, is utilizing a reconciliation firm to build trust with the Sacramento Police Department and its community. In April of 2021, we termed the project Truth, Reform and Reconciliation. And then this initiative, the city posted an RFP process in order to solicit firms to provide proposals in which they could do the work for reconciliation services with the community and the police department. May 3rd is when the RFP process concluded and the city received only two proposal submissions for reconciliation service. June the 8th, that's when council adopted a resolution to make project a multi-year operating project due to the time constraints. The citywide and the community support, it added 220,000 from the general fund administrative contingency for this project. Now at this point in June 8th, we still don't know what reconciliation costs are August the 20th of 2021, a panel from the city unanimously selected sustainable equity for reconciliation services. And this is where we were surprised that reconciliation services cost as much as they do. Uh, in working with sustainable equity, I've cut out some of the things that they have done previously 
that is not necessary here in the city of Sacramento to try to mitigate some of the expensive costs. And then on November 16th is when the item went before council for a presentation about reconciliation and the total truth reform and reconciliation project. And that is when the direction was to come to budget and audit for further discussion. Right. So just for further context, the council had originally approved um, $320,000. And when it came back, I think maybe part of the pause was that um, the request for was for the 320 plus an additional 280. And I think that's sort of what would cause the pause. Can you explain a little bit about what happened from the initial scoping of the project to the council meeting in November, please? Sure. The initial funding was provided to the Office of Public Safety Accountability without knowing what reconciliation costs and without a proposal being provided from any reconciliation service. So we received that money prior to us even knowing what it would cost. The two firms provided proposals in June and their proposals uh, both were much more than the 320,000. And then you saw the actual cost of asking for an additional 280,000 from sustainable equities proposal that was unanimously um, awarded the actual process itself. So there's where the difference in the money comes. We were provided money, not knowing what reconciliation costs for a department in a city. Okay. Um, all right, uh, Councilman Geta, why don't you take it from here for a minute, if you don't mind. And Mayor, what I'm gonna do also is pull up the breakdown um, as to what they do. And in case uh, Councilman Guerra, any of the other council members have specific questions for Dr. Glisson about what it is that they do when they work with police departments in their communities. Yeah, I think, yeah and I, I think on the staff report on uh, page 21 of 24, they have a breakdown of all of the different services here. Uh, now, I mean, yeah, this, uh, this is, a, I believe, is what the council was asking for um, as far as like what would be the cost, what, was, uh, what would be something that, uh, uh, what an RFP would look like. And I, and I don't know, Dr. Watson, if, uh, if this is in, in, the, in that form or not, but this is the breakdown, I believe, that the council had asked for the scope of work. Uh, and I think, it, you know, this, just like the other proposal we've talked about, we want to review them in context of the overall budget uh, and not do it piecemeal. Um, but um, in, in uh, again, I guess direction wise, and then, you know, I know, uh, you know, Council Member Vang had been working on part of this reconciliation effort, but, uh, but at least uh, uh, this is the, what the council had asked Dr. Watson to, to go out and, and review. I don't think in, in our recollection, I don't think that we expected that the sum of money that was proposed would equate to this amount of money. But, you know, again, this is the, the, the beginning of path and journey uh, into this process that we were looking at. So, um, you know, the, to stop here and just say that I think this, uh, as far as direction, um, you know, this is the step, the next step forward, so that we look at this as part of the overall uh, budget, uh, mid-year budget that we're going to look at. 
and uh, but not uh, and making sure that it fits in in the context of all the things we're trying to accomplish. The other thing is this is a multi-year um, uh, project, so uh, a couple of ways to look at this also as far as direction, Mr. Mayor, is we look at okay, what how does this fit into the mid-year budget adjustments, and then what components would need to go or could go into the full year, um, next fiscal year um, budget uh, assumptions. So uh, those are some, a, a couple thoughts on this item here. And the reason we had brought it back here is because none of this was broken down in, in, at this level of detail uh, at the council level. Okay, well, I wanna hear from Councilman Ring. Um, for, you know, for me, I'm just gonna say, I, I don't wanna be penny wise pound foolish here. I mean, um, we're in and we ought to be in. Um, and if this is what the national experts tell us, um, uh, we can find the 280. I mean, I don't think that's an issue. It's probably, I think it might have already been budgeted actually, but uh, either way, we can find the 280. Councilmember Vang. Thanks, Mayor. Um, Dr. Watson, thank you so much for coming back to budget and audit. And Councilmember Guerra, thanks for making the direction at our November meeting to bring it back here to this committee. Um, I, you know, as we mentioned in the November 16th, I think there's definitely a consensus from my colleagues that, you know, um, that this is a problem that didn't happen overnight. Um, so we're not going to be able to solve it overnight. And healing uh, is circular work that needs to happen in this city. Um, I, I too am all in, um, but I do have some questions. And I think a big part of that is because our colleagues asked us as a committee to really ask for the deliverables and to look at the numbers. Um, and so I have some questions, Dr. Watson, as well regarding the numbers. Um, and so that's, so I have questions regarding um, just some of the numbers um, for clarity. And the other one was more context. Um, just given the work that we're doing uh, undergoing a racial equity uh, work with Race Forward, Racial Equity Leadership Network. I really want to make sure that this work, um, as I was looking at the deliverables and just the breakdown analysis, that it's really um, in alignment with what we're doing as well, because there's been a lot of conversation in the racial equity um, committee about working with the community to undergo this healing process. And um, while I understand that this is really about building trust between law enforcement and the community, it's also a critical component of the larger work that needs to happen. Um, this might have to be a direction from, from us, Mayor, um, but I did take a look at the, the work plan, the breakdown analysis, and didn't see um, how it, I could see it, how it can be connected, but didn't see it in the work plan, how it's connected to the to the racial equity work. My question in particular is, you know, how do we just ensure that there's alignment um, with the work that is happening with race forward and racial equity with the racial equity leadership network? Um, because what I don't want happening is that this work is, is happening in parallel and there's no conversation um, because many of the folks that may get pulled into deliverable number six that I see on the work plan, it says one group of 20 to 30 equally divided between SAC PD and a community I don't want to make any assumption, but I'm assuming some of those members may, you know, overlap with folks who are heavily involved with the racial equity leadership network um, and just want to make sure that we have alignment in that, because I think that's absolutely critical in, in moving forward. So that's my first question is really around the context piece. And then the second question that I had, Dr. Watson, was really around um, phase um, phase actually year one and year two, I think the bulk of the funding, um, the bulk of the funding is um, in the, in the 
building session. Um, and, and it comes out to 144K um, for each year. Um, and I actually think that is probably where the bulk of work is going to happen, right? That healing piece. Um, and wanted to know um, in that budget in particular, is this just for sustainable equity or are some of these dollars also going to be allocated um, to provide stipend if there are members of our community who are participating in the, in the listening, listening session? So I was just curious about that because I do recall um, my colleagues from the November 16th meeting um, Councilwoman Ashby and Councilmember Valence will wanting to make sure that our um, police commission and also members of our community um, was was part of this um, as we think through the budget piece as well. So those are just my my two high, kind of high level deep questions um, that I had on this on this proposal. Good questions. Let, let's let's see if we can have a discussion about that because they they are separate but related, right? And we don't wanna take away from the existing racial equity community um, working group. Um, yet on the other hand, I think there needs to be some thinking about how all these uh, initiatives come together at some point, because mm -hmm. the, both the people and the ideas, because it's all under the same family, right? So what's the what, what what's the thinking? Is this Susan um, or who who wants to answer that question? Maybe somebody from Sustainable Equity or Dr. Watson, whoever would like to give Susan. some thoughts on that question. Susan, did you want me to start out, or did you want to? I'm happy to do whatever is whatever is helpful. I don't want to overstep. Okay. Well, Mayor, what I'll say is that um, Kelly and, and her team and I have had uh, numerous meetings in reference to. A race forward and I've started to attend the committee meetings as well but I've discussed this with sustainable equity and their team uh, to make sure that they're familiar and they have worked with race forward um, on numerous projects that's very similar to what we're um, asking them to do here in the city of Sacramento and she um, advised and this is uh, Dr. Glisson who's the founder that there is some alignment in what is going on and working with uh, the community members. So I'll let her provide some specifics as to uh, what can be done. And we're talking about uh, there are key differences in these programs, but then also um, there are some similarities in which they can both align with each other. Thank you, Dr. Watson. Uh, thank you, Councilmember Vang. Uh, it is a really great question, both questions. Um, we have long been uh, part of a, a national network with um, Race Forward uh, through the Kellogg Foundation. Um, they were one of the first uh, philanthropies to really uh, do a focus on anti-racism work, and they created the America Healing uh, Network that um, we were a part of, along with um, Race Forward. Terry Kelleher at, at Race Forward is a, is a, is a good friend, and uh, through that um, work together, there was an establishment of sort of best practices um, across the field. There were 400 people that were part of that that represented probably probably 150 organizations. Um, so we, 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 we drink from the same well of resources and understanding about how uh, this work should be done to move at the speed of trust, uh, to work with people where they are, that it's emergent, right? We don't try to impose uh, an outcome. Uh, we see what the local leaders, what the um, community and the police officers would like to do together. Um, so there's very much, I'm sure, alignment that we would love to, you know, figure out with Race Ward how to best amplify and leverage each other's um, strengths and, and resources. 
um, and we'd be thrilled to do that. Um, it'd be great to know that, you know, we're, we're joining hands and jumping in together. That means you'll you'll talk to them, you'll meet with them, you'll you'll explore potential strategic partnership. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it will make our work better, and we hope we can bring bring something to to, to their work as well. Yeah, um, I think in addition to um, working with Race Forward, I think a critical connection that's going to be really beneficial for for this initiative and the larger work that we're doing in the city is to ensure that, um, Susan, as you're having conversation with Race Forward, that the Racial Equity Leadership Network is have met with all of you. Um, they're in the process of creating a Racial Equity Council right now in this moment to help advise the Racial Equity um, Committee. Um, and that Racial Equity Council that's going to be selected by the Racial Equity Network is really critical in our work that we're going to be doing. And I think as we move forward with this truth and reconciliation work, um, I would even go as far as almost vetting the work and checking in with them of the process, because I think that's how we could be really seamless in, in making sure that all the work is aligned. Um, so that's just, that's just a recommendation, Mayor, that I, I think would be really beneficial because these are critical folks that are gonna be guiding us as we do this work. And, I just want to make sure that they're in the loop as well, uh, because Race Forward is a facilitator um, of our work, but it's the Racial Equity Network and the Racial Equity Council that's going to be um, really guiding us because this work is, as you said, Susan, really, really guided by the community. And so, yeah, absolutely, you know, we understand that we don't parachute in yeah. to save anybody, um, and so the idea that there's already um, this great momentum, this good work to build on these assets and gifts is uh, is incredibly um, beneficial to our work. Um, we know there's a benefit to outsiders, you know, having a, a kind of a neutral, honest broker role, yeah. um, but it, it will not work if this is not embedded and led by the community. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. Um, the other question I just did have really quick, Dr. Watson, is I'm just curious. I, I know it's only 25K, but wanted to. I, I noticed that for year one and year two, there's a 25K contingency fund. What is that? I'm just curious if you can um, clarify that for me. Yeah. I was making sure my mic was was on, uh, Councilman Member Bang. Um, normally, the uh, contingency fee for uh, either firm is 50000 um, I spoke with them and tried to streamline what the cost is uh, because they were already exceeding what I had even imagined reconciliation services cost. But that is in case um, any of the um, deliverables or any of the, the uh, actions cost more than what it has, what we say from the onset. So the first um, action delivery um, when they come here and anything when you talk about uh, travel, any of the uh, actual expenses, if they run different because of inflation or whatever happens once we get started, that's what the contingency fee is for. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Watson. Appreciate that. No problem. I'd like to add something to that. Uh, the answer, if I could, for the uh, previous question. Please. Uh, one of the big things we're dealing with here is, we've, and we've learned over the years, is that when you deal with groups that have really firmly established identities, sometimes it's good to work in the single identity group to prepare them to be able to have conversations with people of other groups. Case in point, police, fire, 
military, they have a set culture and they have a set way of doing things and a set way of viewing the world. And what you, what we like to do is in those first sessions, uh, single identity sessions, one, to get them to the place where they can actually talk about the things that they're, that they're dealing with and why they view the world the way they do, but prepare them to hear what the other members of the group have. So what first thing we do is we work with the police officers, then we get them to the point where they can have conversations with community members and they don't view them like they're viewing from a police car, us versus them. So that's gonna be a good bit of the first part is establishing that culture, getting them to the point where they see that it's not an us versus them, it's a we thing. You know, it's not who, that big guy who's walking down the street, that's somebody's son. I may or may not know that person. Or, you know, that's somebody's daughter. I may or may not know that person. Then they become more invested in the community because they see themselves as part of the community. So that's a big chunk of that first session. Thanks, Mr. Tucker. You're absolutely right. I was looking at the timeline that Dr. Watson uh, put up and I came on in 2020. Um, and I know a big part of this was the launch from the Sacramento Police Department 2019 Community Officer Survey, where um, when I was looking at that study revealed really deep division and distrust between our police and the community they are uh, sworn to serve. So I know um, this work is heavy, uh, but it's necessary. So I really appreciate your insight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Councilmember Jennings. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the additional 280,000 that's needed to get us to where we need to get to. And Dr. Watson, I just want to thank you for providing the information to help us understand what we would be getting by investing the $600,000 with sustainable equity. Um, I don't know how we started with the 320. I don't. I don't know the details of that. I don't remember that. Um, I heard your explanation and I accept it. Um, I also accept the fact that for the kind of services that they're going to be offering over the period of time, 320 is probably not something that I think anybody could make work. So I understand the increase in funds and the need to do that. I think my, my conversation is more about moving forward. Um, we, we started this whole process as your timeline shows back in January of 2021 and here we are in February the first day of February in 2022 with a pandemic COVID running rapid crime going up at rapid rates and the trust in our community and police and other forms of enforcement continuing to divide and and I know I, I like all of us on this call and some of us who are listening have a sense of urgency to move forward. And so, you know, I, I would just say for us at this point in time, now that we have the information that we need, we can refine this and, and make the MOU something that really serves the city of Sacramento and moves all of us forward and has all of our groups working together in order to uh, move the agenda forward. But I have a sense of urgency, Mayor, and, and the Budget and Audit Committee to move this forward as quickly as possible because this work needs to be done. Yes, I think, so, we, got, I think we got some consensus here really among the four members of the committee. And that was the purpose of Councilmember Guetta's suggestion that we take a, just a pause, have more in-depth discussion and just make sure that we were all comfortable. And uh, 
talk through the issues that Councilmember Bang raised uh, about how this initiative relates to our different but uh, complementary initiatives. Yeah, the- I, I just want us to make sure we know that we're already behind because we- of the time that it's taken us to get to this point, you know, and we have a new police chief with rapid uh, crime rising. I just want us to move forward as quickly as possible. So I just want to put that on the table. So yes. that if the process is to go back before the full council and get approval after we leave here, again, that's going to take more time. So I just want to make sure we all understand the sense of urgency that I feel that this needs to be done as quickly as possible so we can regain the trust, we can go through the reconciliation process, we can do the work that needs to be done in order to rebuild our city. That, Got that's it. My point. Okay, do we need a motion on this or is this just direction, Madam Clerk? This item is receive and file. Yeah, so I think the direction is clear to follow through with the amounts, fine, but let's maybe just um, Sustainable Equity, LLC, uh, Dr. Watson, um, Councilmember Vang, Kelly Fong-Rivas, my chief of staff, uh, Councilmember Jennings, Gara, all of us, we maybe want to look at the MOU and the scope of work and all of it and refine it based on, uh, on this discussion so that there is that appropriate overlap and not not confusion, not role confusion, but just appropriate synergy uh, that we're all getting at. I think that's going to take your advice and expertise and talking with the, with the community leadership as well as Race Forward to hone that a little bit. Fair enough? Fair enough. Beautifully said. Thank you. I practiced. <laughs> uh, no, no. Can, uh, is there public testimony? Mayor, I have no hands raised to make comments on this item. Okay, members, I think that's great. Good enough direction, Dr. Watson? Yes, sir, it is. Okay, good, good, good. Thank you all for uh, your work and coming here. And, and the, the good and great work is ahead of us. So we appreciate it and look forward to when you want to have maybe some separate conversations in person or Zoom to... Very Talk much. In greater detail. Okay. Thank Very you. Much. Your leadership will ensure the success. So we're grateful. Thank you. Good deal. All right. Let's move to item number six, which is the fleet electrification update. Who's presenting on this? Okay. One? That would be me, Mayor Mark Stevens, fleet manager for the city. Hey, Mr. And Stevens. How are you doing? Just fine, sir. And thank you for your time and council members. Let me share my screen here. So hopefully I can get this, take care of this quickly. Can everybody see that? Yes, Mark, that's good. We can see it, okay, all right. Basically, I wanna start off by talking about our fleet electrification policy, which was adopted initially back in 2007. And it focuses on six different areas. First off, our emissions reduction, where we actively incorporate low emission vehicles. We work with SMAQMD and the PEV Collaborative. And of course, most importantly, our minimum commitment for fleet replacement purchases to be 50% fueled by 2018. 
and 75% replacement by 2025. Second section is the low emission and ZEV vehicle acquisitions. Minimum commitment of 50% of light duty vehicle fleet purchases to be alternative fuel and ZEV by 2018. And of course, 75% by 2020, which we are at that point right now. And zero emission fleet, or excuse me, first commitment when available and operationally appropriate. We need to make sure we have the vehicles necessary for the operations of our fleet. Then our fuel consumption, we try to reduce our fuel consumption by 5% annually, which we're also accounting for fleet growth. And then vehicle operations, we promote reduced idling with five-minute idling policy. And we now have a telematic system in place where we can monitor each and every vehicle in the city to see the amount of fuel that they are using. So we are running those reports and reviewing those. And then our cost effectiveness and performance, we actively seek grants anywhere we can and other financial resources to replace our older vehicles and lower emission equipment. And then monitoring and reporting finally, of course, um, no policy is effective without being able to monitor and, and run reports. So uh, we're constantly looking. We have a right-sizing policy that we look at annually to review our fleet. And then, of course, repair, we prepare our annual replacement budget, including the cost of alternative fuel infrastructure into that budget request. Here's a picture we took at Councilmember Gary. Remember, it's a few years ago when we were elected or voted number one green fleet in North America in 2019, but we were also voted number one green fleet in 2013. So the only fleet in North America to achieve that um, twice. Those were the days, by the way, we met uh, in the city council chambers many, many, yes. many, <laughs> many years ago. Many, yes, that is correct. It yeah. does seem a while. <laughs> and just a few fleet facts for those that aren't familiar with our fleet. We have about 2,700 vehicles right now, about 1,573 light duty vehicles, about 528 heavy duty. We have medium duty as well, but about 1,031 of our vehicles are alternatively fueled or powered by other sources. So it's about 49% of our fleet right now. So we're doing, doing a great job in making sure that we're reducing our greenhouse gas emissions. And then you can see here over the last five years, how many vehicles we procure annually. So we're in the area of you know, 250, 300 vehicles a year. And this is just a quick snapshot of some of the vehicles we have. We have electric motorcycles, of course, our standard battery electric vehicle or the Chevy Bolt, typically for our administrative vehicles. We use hybrid vehicles for uh, police detectives and other administrative vehicles. And of course, all the diesel fuel we use is renewable diesel. And then of course, our um, refuse fleet and some of our heavier vehicles in the city also are CNG powered and LNG, which we're migrating finally away from the LNG. And, and once we get our CNG station up and running in the council member things um, district. We hope to have that up and running soon. And then most successful applications, of course, are for the electric vehicles, are CDD inspectors, engineering inspectors, parking enforcement, fire prevention officers, and water conservation. So we have vehicles in all departments throughout the city. Of course, I mentioned the CNG and RNG, which is, which is renewable natural gas, those that don't quite know and those in our refuse trucks and some of our heavier vehicles. Then we use hybrid vehicles where we don't have electric vehicles that can yet meet the requirements. So say for example, police department, obviously we have hybrid vehicles for the, for the detectives, um, 
And in fact, our police interceptor right now, all of the black and white vehicles we're purchasing are actually hybrid vehicles. So we can reduce idle time and still keep those vehicles on the road. The undercover vehicles we talk about, and of course, our aerial trucks for urban forestry and public works. We have an electric PTO, which basically means that when that vehicle arrives on scene, it can shut the engine off all day long and operate its hydraulic system for the bucket strictly off that electric battery. So it helps reduce fuel consumption, of course, and greenhouse gas emissions as well. So here's a quick study of where we're at with the electric vehicles now that we've really been, been purchasing these the last four years. Our operating and maintenance costs for our legacy vehicles or our gasoline powered vehicles over the past life of those vehicles life cycle cost us about $4 million. We've traveled a little over 12 and a half million miles. So that's an average cost of about 33 cents a mile. You can see our battery electric vehicles have cost in operating and maintenance. And that's of course includes the fuel or the, the electricity to charge those of about $178,000. We've traveled over a million, 100,000 miles. So it's costing us about 18 cents a mile. So you can see here, it's, it's extremely productive for the city to, to purchase and utilize battery vehicles wherever we can. And this just gives you a quick, in, uh, quick picture of where we're at in our internal charging infrastructure. Um, you can see Richards Boulevard, of course, because of the administrative type vehicles we have, that's where most of our chargers are. But we are working on a five-year projection on a plan um, with James and facilities and his group and putting together a long-term plan for vehicle replacement and infrastructure. And that will include, we anticipate about 74 additional level two chargers and four fast DC fast chargers. This is just a quick snapshot showing what Jennifer Benemba has been working on and her EV strategy um, that was adopted back in 2017. And you can see part of that from the citywide um, holistic approach is that it does include city facility charging infrastructure and fleets in item number four and five. So she did a good job in, in highlighting that as well. And this is basically where, where we have some of our concerns with the electrification and some of the barriers we deal with. Obviously upfront capital costs, that is a huge, huge or a cost to us as we move down the road. Um, understanding costs and saving. So understanding what those, those costs are going to be down the road. And some of those are still questionable infrastructure and that's a huge piece of, of where we're at so we'll be bringing more to the uh, to the council later on and of course right sizing of vehicles and equipment so we've been working with local um, OEM manufacturers with the California Mobility Center and other agencies to try and find electrical vehicles that will meet our needs there still is a, a, a large deficit right now in the medium and heavy duty area and as as we mentioned, in Councilmember Vang's uh, discussion last month, we are looking at electrification for a solid waste fleet. That technology is still years away, but we're constantly reviewing what's available and making sure that we're going to, um, to utilize electric vehicles when we can. And of course, our internal champions, changing a culture, you know, what has been for a hundred years in, in vehicles, a gasoline powered and diesel powered. So changing that, that, um, approach to, to purchasing electric vehicles. We had a little uh, tough buy-in early on back in 2018, but we've had great support from all the internal departments recently. So it's, it is working out well. 
And of course, this is all going to benefit the climate and energy goals as we move forward. So with that, I want to say thank you. And in fact, let me back out of here. How do I stop share? So I, I did want to say that in conclusion, I'd like to say that the city of Sacramento is highly recognized and respected throughout the fleet community. We've been voted number one fleet in the country, not just green fleet, but number one fleet overall. And I say that as a reference to the commitment from the mayor, city council and city manager, as we commit to a ZEV community, and of course, reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. So with that. Yep, Mr. Steven, thank you. Thank you for your good work and great presentation. I know I've got some questions, but let me see if my colleagues wanna go first. Any colleagues, I see council member Geta, go ahead. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Sorry. Um, of course, it's got timing. Uh, a, a couple thoughts here. Number one, uh, Mark, thank you again. Thank you and your team. You guys have been stellar as far as like, you know, moving as uh, fast on, on this issue. Um, on the second piece on the infrastructure, we know infrastructure in, and charging infrastructure is a challenge. Um, you know, I want to make sure that our, our departments are working together. On the uh, planning department and economic development department, there's an item that's been coming before Law and Ledge on uh, digital kiosks and the ability of looking at digital kiosk infrastructure so that we can also have that as charging stations. I mean, I feel like making sure that our, if there are opportunities where we have spaces in the right of way, where we have land available and that cost can be, you know, borne by, um, by another, another mechanism, that would help us too. So I'd like to make sure that our fleet management team is also looking, working with, uh, you know, the planning department as we move forward this digital kiosk uh, opportunity to also have uh, electric charging on that. Uh, also on the, on the technology, you know, one, I, I appreciate the fact that we're looking at CNG, RNG, um, you know, a battery powered, and we shouldn't, we should, you know, we should not be technology specific or, or, you know, I think what we need to look at is making Agreed. sure that we have a, a goal in place that allows us to look at, uh, at what is coming up the pipeline. And maybe pipeline is a pun intended because hydrogen fuel, particularly for our heavy duty uh, and mid-sized duty will be the actual uh, solution for us. Uh, and, and currently at the Air District, we have a, a project with the, with the Port of West Sacramento to do a hydrogen um, uh, train car here and a fueling station, which will allow us also to start testing that for, uh, for a fueling station for hydrogen fuel. So I, I want to make sure we're getting ahead of that uh, as well. Um, the last piece I'll say, for example, are, are garbage trucks that have the, the side um, loader and right. uh, the driver's seat is on, um, uh, what I call it, on the European side. It's on the, it's on the right. Curb side. On, on the right, the curb side. Correct. So, you know, uh, one, I want us to make sure, and I, you mentioned that you're working with the, with the California Mobility Center. But I'd like for us to get ahead of the curve and uh, for us to start designing uh, and working with them so that we start looking at how Sacramento becomes the manufacturer of all of the different trucks that every other city, every other county in our region and California are going to be using so that we get ahead. So there, there's even though it may be a higher cost at first for us to buy a couple of those. But if we get if we're able to help our regional economy you know, by building that manufacturing infrastructure of things that are needed, particularly as the governor has kind of proposed some of these pretty, you know, aggressive uh, goals here on, on electric vehicles, um, we should get ahead of that and say, is there an economic opportunity for us through our fleet management to drive that? And I think in partnership 
my understanding is you're working with the county fleet management team on this as well. Uh, and what I would say is if we could go in with the county on looking at fleet management and figuring out how we can get some of the products designed to our specs, uh, my understanding is that the same specs that we use is the same specs that the Department of General Services use. So if we can uh, help spur that, uh, that, that, that uh, uh, market demand and have all of those products be designed and built in Sacramento, we're gonna benefit not only by us doing our due diligence and having clean vehicles for our quality standards uh, and meeting our, our uh, federal attainment goals, which, which are pretty real. You know I mean? We have got some challenges coming up ahead mm -hmm. uh, meeting our federal attainment goals. But I do not want to miss the opportunity for uh, for our ability to to corner the market on that, and also the training aspect that comes associated with that. Um, the the last thing I'll say is I want to make sure that we're also working with our employees who have traditionally been in the, the you know diesel maintenance, our our you know our automotive maintenance, and then making sure that we're uh, you know finding a path for them to make sure that that they're they're progressing with our evolution as a city too. Making yes, sure that that you know, as you said, that that we're moving our staff with us in the future, um, so that they're advancing in their careers as well. So I'll leave that as as far as direction. I know that the the California California Mobility Showcase um, is coming up on March seventeenth, yes. where we're going to be looking at some of these major municipal heavy duty vehicles and how we can take advantage of that. I hope the city of Sacramento is a major player in that aspect. Uh, all that to say, Mark. Thanks again, and Mr. Mayor, I think uh, the only direction I would say is let's get ahead of it more on the on the economic development side. I think we're doing great work on 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 our staff moving forward, but we shouldn't wait for the products to, to come. We should be out there on the design aspect for for our city. Okay, thank you, uh, Council Member Jennings or Bang. Okay, I I um this is the Budget and Audit Committee, obviously. And I know uh, next week we're going to have a major transportation workshop around how transportation ties into our uh, climate goals, our very ambitious climate goals. And so you laid out, um, you know, Jennifer Venema has described this, you're absolutely right, the 75,000 EVs by 2025. Whether it's today or next week, um, I think it's important that we understand what kind of budget would it take? We don't control all that, obviously. But what kind of infrastructure would we need to support 75,000 electric vehicles in Sacramento? Where do we need to go from here in 2022 to 2025 uh, in order to be in position to be able to meet that goal? That's one question. Second question, if we break down that $75,000 number around what the city's share in terms of the city fleet should be, because I noticed in, in your earlier slide, even though it's obvious we are now investing in electric vehicles as part of our vehicle fleet, the gas-powered uh, city fleet vehicles still outnumber both mileage-wise and uh, and number of cars. And so do we have a, a plan to uh, have those lines intersect and, and, uh, and cross over with more EVs over time in terms of our own fleet and what budget would it take to realize that goal? So I know that's a, 
two long questions here, but I think it's important because this is the budget and audit committee. What infrastructure do we need to invest in to get to the 75,000? And what is our strategic plan for our own fleet to get to a point at X date sooner rather than later that we are have more electric vehicles as part of our fleet than gas powered vehicles? Please. Okay. I will, I'll have to do some research, sir, and, and we'll get back to it. Very, very good. But, but Mayor, you know what? I, I'll tell you what, Mr. Stevens, I'm sorry, Eric. I think we're going to want to have you back to another budget and audit committee. Yeah. Very good. In part because you did such a good job, but two, I want. I think I think that's worth uh, a second hearing on that question. Our okay. and our infrastructure to come back and let's budget it out. And if it's and, and if it is a number that shocks us, yeah. so be it. Then we'll have to break it down and and figure out how we how we might get there. And we and we're already, as I mentioned, working on that with with uh, James and his group over in facilities. We've okay. already already working on a project, so we will we'll have in fact have that information for the most part already. So we'll we'll get something put together and get back on on the agenda. Yes. Yeah, Mayor, I was just going to say um, your questions were absolutely on point. I think. I mean, a big part of this item coming to our committee is because we're going to have to re realign our funding to ensure that we meet our goals, right? Um, and I, I don't know what that number is, but glad that Mark is going to take that and come back and, and, and share with us what, what we mm -hmm. think it's going to take to get us there. And so thank you, Mark, for all your great work. Okay, so you're welcome. Gonna, thank you. going to get you back on the calendar. Eric, go ahead. Yeah, the only thing I would add to your uh, request, Mr. Mayor, is also if there are upfront capital costs for yeah. a vehicle that may not be in the market, but we can say be designed to to our specs. Um, we right now we wouldn't do that under our current policy, but if there is one that helps us get there, I want us to be able to say, hey, let's budget that now, and um, and say, look, if there's a trade-off. If those vehicles are going to get built and manufactured here, then maybe we help in that process so that we have, uh, you know, a, a return on our purchase here locally. So I'd like to make sure that we have, uh, just say, if it's going to, if that, uh, if that curbside loader is going to be built here once it, and we're going to buy the first one, uh, how, you know, what's that going to cost us, and how we, how do we move that needle forward? So. Right. All right. Okay, uh, is there public testimony? Mayor, I have no hands raised to make public comment on this item. Okay, um, very good. Um, do we need a motion on this or is this receive and file as well? This is also receive and file. Okay, then um, is there public testimony on items not on the agenda? Mayor, I have no hands raised to make public comment for matters not on the agenda. Okay, I think we've already put forward a number of council ideas and questions today. So that's good. If there's nothing further to come before the council's budget and audit committee, we are adjourned. Thank you, everybody.